Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sports Day. Live from the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Yes, thanks, Hayes. Thanks, Marto. That was the run home for your Wednesday. They're back tomorrow, Australia Day, between 3 and 5, as I will be for Sports Day WA. As we mentioned, all thanks to Kia. Now, you can join us here from the Toolkit Depot studios at Optus Stadium on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. I reckon it's a program with a difference between now and 6 o'clock. Later on... In the hour, I'll be speaking to a filmmaker, a sporting filmmaker. He has made some films, and I'll just give you an idea. In 2011, this gentleman produced a film, No Apologies, the story of two Aboriginal females in their journey to the 2011 FIFA Women's World Cup in Germany. A year before that, he produced and filmed Standing at the Touchlines, celebrating Africa hosting its first football World Cup. And in 2020, he produced and filmed Mark Our Place, a film about three rugby players from the same club who all went on to represent Ireland and all be awarded the Victoria Cross, the highest award for valour. Well, he's just released and it's about to be released in New York in a couple of weeks' time. That's where the launch will be regarding the story of the first African boxer to conquer the world, yet few remember his name. And I'll be speaking to Ashley Morrison about this film. The gentleman concerned, not many people would know his name. We'll find out more about it when we speak to Ashley. But unfortunately, at the age of 28, he was shot twice in the back at close range in New York when he was in New York to undertake a world title fight. He died in a pool of blood at the age of 28. So we're going to find out more about this world championship boxer where a film has been made about him. Ashley will be going to South Africa where the launch will be next week. And then he's off to New York for the premiere to this film about the first African boxer to conquer the world. And as I mentioned, yet few really remember his name. That's coming a bit later on. So something a bit different here on Sports Day WA. I hope you can stay with us and join us regarding that. As well as that, it's Australia Day tomorrow, and we know there is uh, a lot of people with divided opinions on Australia Day, and particularly sports. Some sports people have come out and said that we shouldn't at this stage play uh, any sport to celebrate uh, January the 26th. I'm going to speak to one of the greatest if not close to the greatest Indigenous footballer ever to play the game, Stephen Michael. He's going to join us a little bit later on uh, and he's going to have a chat to us about his thoughts about Australia Day after Ash Gardner came out 
with the Australian women's cricket team saying that she doesn't feel right playing and representing Australia on Australia Day in that T20 match against Pakistan tomorrow. So we'll speak to Stephen Michael a bit later on in the program. We'll keep you up to date with what's happening in the tennis and the BBL. Quite an extraordinary day for the BBL, wasn't it? The fact that uh, they needed 19 runs from 24 balls with six wickets in hand, the Brisbane Heat, to beat the Hobart Hurricanes earlier today. And would you believe it's regarded as the biggest choke in BBL history? The Hurricanes made nine for 120 to keep their finals aspirations alive. They needed to win. And as I mentioned, the Heat, 19 runs, 24 balls, six wickets in hand, and finished at eight for 118. And people are saying, as I mentioned, maybe one of the biggest chokes in BBL history. So uh, we'll be uh, keeping an eye on that uh, at the moment. We've got the Melbourne Stars. They're taking on the Sydney Thunder, the Melbourne Stars, who will finish uh, bottom of the BBL 12 ladder this season, a three for 75. Hilton Cartwright, the West Australian, he's on 17, not out. Rogers on 31, not out. Uh, now three for 76. And we're in the 12th over against the Sydney Thunder. And the tennis, certainly very interesting as well. We'll be right across that. A couple of upsets today. Let's have a look at the Australian Open. The tennis update for the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. It's a pinnacle of engineering, the Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. And when you look at what happened in tennis today, firstly, Tommy Paul is into the Australian Open semi-finals. Tommy, who you may be saying, well, he took care of business against fellow uh, Yank in Ben Shelton. The two unseated Americans battled it out on Rod Lave Arena with Paul claiming a, a victory in four sets, 7-6, He'll now await the winner of the Novak Djokovic-Andre Rublev match that is happening this evening. Uh, in the women, unseated Polish star Magda Lynette won through to the semifinals with a straight sets win over Carolina Pliskova. Uh, Anya Sabalenka has worked uh, her spot in the final four with a demolition job on Donna Vekic. The number five seed uh, was far too strong for the unseated Croatian, who threw the contest away with uh, about 13 double faults. Uh, the final scoreline, 6-3, 6-2, to Sabalenka. So that sort of brings you up to date with the Australian Open. And from an Australian perspective, uh, Rinki Hijikata and Jason Kubler's chase for a second Australian fairy tale in the men's doubles in as many years is looking red hot. This is the story that we're chasing here in Australia. The wildcard pair have stunned top seeds Wesley Kuloff and Neil Skupski, 6-3-6-1, to advance to the semifinals. And the Australians, who have had to come from behind in their last two matches, came out swinging today and broke the serve of Kuloff in the opening game. So there you go. That's the latest in tennis. It's all thanks to the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. Join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. We'll take a break early because I want to really dig my teeth uh, into 
uh, the two special guests we've got on the program today. The first one coming up, as I mentioned, one of the greatest, if not, in my opinion, next to Polly Farmer. There wasn't many uh, Indigenous footballers better than this bloke. Uh, Stephen Michael's going to have a chat to us about Australia Day and Australia Day Sport. And we'll find out a bit more about the Stephen Michael Foundation as well. And coming up later on, as I said, a bit of a uh, deep dive into that uh, book or that documentary that's going to be uh, released that film by Ashley Morrison in New York in a couple of weeks' time about this first African boxer to conquer the world. Uh, it is a fascinating story, and it sort of reminds me of when Bob Dylan released a song about Hurricane, uh, told the story, as we know. Uh, here's a segment, basically, the song that you may remember from the 70s. The song's about the imprisonment of boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter and uh, it compiles acts of racism and uh, profiling against Carter, which, of course, Bob Dylan describes as leading to a false trial and conviction. And the story about uh, the first African boxer to conquer the world, of course, he faced prejudice and corruption. And uh, we're going to be... Deep diving into that film that'll be released in New York in a couple of weeks' time, put together by a West Australian filmmaker. That's coming up shortly, but in the meantime, Stephen Michael will join us after the break here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Full forward, Stephen Michael in front and has been awarded the mark. One point the difference. Short step to Stephen Michael. Mark of the day. 3624 to 2214. 30 minutes gone and a very long quarter of play as Stephen Michael emerges. That's great play by Michael out the lights for it and doesn't get it. Harper intercepts. Tackling on both sides is intense. Good side of the ground, holding in front. Michael from behind. Good mark. Back into play. Back out towards the grandstand side. Michael in there, one-hander. Has that been played? It has. Oh, great mark. Now, I was an East Perth supporter growing up, and every time we played South Fremantle, this guy used to kill us. Absolutely kill us. He was just like a, a one-man band. I love reconnecting with this gentleman, Stephen Albert Michael. Uh, lives in uh, Collie these days, and, of course, we've seen him fleetingly. Uh, he's now involved with the Stephen Michael Foundation. We're going to find out more about that. And the brood is growing. I think he's got seven children, grandchildren, uh, running amok around Collie and Western Australia. Stephen, how are you going? Good, thanks, Pete. How are yourself, my friend? Good. How big's the family now? I reckon it's in the hundreds. Oh, don't be that bloody stupid, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's going pretty good. You know, like you, you're right, you know, seven, uh, seven children, five boys, two girls. Yeah, no, and, and uh, about 26 uh, grandchildren. And look like maybe being a great grandfather in uh, March sometime. Unbelievable. Uh, good on you, mate. I know you're a very proud uh, family man. And I know when I spoke to you last time, you were actually coaching, was it your grandchildren's footy team? Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. 
yeah, I was coaching the grandgirls. Uh, I give that's about two years. Oh, yeah, we did two years ago. Uh, I coached them for, and um, I got them up to and to scratch and all that where they should be and all that, and uh, just moved on and uh, let another person come and take over. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know what actually happened with it because the boys left Collie and they played out and say uh, the upper grade Southern and the low Southwest and the both won grand finals. So, and they're out. Um, well, what do you call it? Uh, Laurels was there with the boys where they're playing footy at the time, and you know, and the girls give all the footy away and all that because, uh, like I said, I don't know what happened to the Collie Eagles mm. Footy Club at the time. Yeah, of course, a lot of people remember one of your kids in Clem who was at the Fremantle Footy Club. How's he going? Well, he's going very well. His daughter's going to be Clem's going to be a grandfather in March, so his daughter's going to have a baby for. And make me a grandpa. Ah, oh, fantastic. Great news. Good to be brought up to speed with the great Michael family. Now, you're a proud Noongar man, as we know. A lot has been said, and I'm going to talk about the Stephen Michael Foundation in a moment, but I thought I'd just ask you this question, Steve, because you've always been a very humble man, down-to-earth man, and that's the reason you decided to stay in Perth and play for South Fremantle and res- resist all those overtures to go and play in the might of the VFL. And uh, you are regarded as a bit of a cult hero when it comes to to football and what you achieved. But a lot has been said about Australia Day and playing sport. Ash Gardner from the Australian women's cricket team reckons we shouldn't be playing now sport and celebrate sport on Australia Day and everyone's got their opinions now. Uh, What are your thoughts on it all, Steve, uh, in relation to now being a proud Noongar man, as we know, and the so-called division in the community regarding the tomorrow? Well, Pete, you know, you know, I've got my own thoughts with it, you know, and, and you know, I'll, I'll just go with the, well, say the, the majority of the people and all that, you know, I think we normally make decisions and all that, and uh, uh, some are right, some are wrong. Um, all I use at the moment is what I and what I'll go say to you that, you know, um, and we talk about the foundation at the moment, where I'm a great believer that we all should be all united together. So, you know, what people got in their own minds and what they got in their own head and what they think about. Uh, which way you should go, that's up to them, really, Pete. Mm. So do you feel in some ways to unify uh, the country uh, that maybe we should look at another date so everybody can come together from all walks of life? Well, that, that could be a possibility, Pete, but like I said, you know, um, I'm only a small cog in the wheel and I think the government departments makes all these choices, not us. And, mm. you know, we, we all, everyone's got an opinion and all that. At the end of the day... Um, I think uh, what we do and all that is make, um, you know, let the government make the decide. And, you know, like I said, we always voice our opinion, but at the end of the day, they have to be heard uh, from the government department. Yeah, fair enough. As I said, uh, you've always been very humble and very sincere with your thoughts. Now, you are the patron of the Stephen Michael Foundation, which supports uh, disengaged, at-risk and disadvantaged youth across WA. Uh, tell us about your journey at the moment and how prevalent is this in relation to at-risk youth in Western Australia? Oh, Pete, it's, it's, it's really important, in my opinion. It's been going for five years. Um, we've got some good staff members there. You know, at the moment, um, uh, Tommy's a chairperson, Paul McGumber and Julie Jackson and Rory uh, and Liam and all that. So all these guys are on board. And it's amazing what they're doing, you know. Um, we look at... Uh, what I want to say we look at we look at schools and country communities and all that and we go out and try to say set goals for kids that um, are a little bit disinfortunate when I say disinfortunate and 
first of all, paid outside, it's for non-indigenous kids, boys, girls, and everything. So really, it's not just for one group of kids, it's for all kids in Western Australia. And that's why I say, you know, we look at, um, like, Australia Day or whatever day, if we can work together and make the right choices in life, and that's what the foundation's about, making the right choices in life at schools, at home, with their mums and dads, and with just, um, what sports they're going to do, and that gives them a future in life. And somewhere along the line, I hope we can sit down and maybe before after my time goes through, that we do get a, maybe Indigenous government or maybe Indigenous Prime Minister or we work together and make the rules for the country as one, not mm. as individuals, because I always use the, the train lines where they run parallel with everyone all the time. But let's join them the parallel lines up together and make one voice. Steve, uh, you're a very proud family man. And the reason I brought up your seven children, you said you've got 26 grandchildren, you're about to become a great-grandfather as well. Uh, there's a lot of family issues, isn't there, of course? Uh, separation in families, disjointed families. Have you seen that in regional Western Australia in your travels and that's uh, maybe part of the problem? Oh, you do, Pete. And, and, you know, and, and, and what I'd like to think that we look at is say just... Don't go out there and say, look at Indigenous kids, look at non-Indigenous, because we get that in all races, Pete. And, you know, we have that all over Western Australia, maybe Australia. So, you know, um, we have that, and that's good for heaven and the day. You know, all you have to do is look around a collie at the moment, or even Bunbury, or even Cajun, where I come from, even anywhere up north where I go, you'll always have that disadvantaged family and it mightn't be an Indigenous family. It might be a white family. And mm. that's what I say. We have to look at the bigger picture out there and say, right, we have got problems in the country. Where has the travels taken you, Steve? As I said, uh, you're now immersed into your foundation as the patron. Where have you gone in recent times? Uh, I suppose you've travelled the length and breadth of this great state. Yes. Um, it, it's from, say... Um, Bustling to, um, well, Bokoli, I live there. Uh, Narragun. Narragun is a very good place for us going to. Um, Marble Bar, uh, Yelgu, Mount Magnet, Geraldton, uh, Mullawar, um, Laverton, Leonora. So, you know, we, we go all over the place. And, the, you know, the beauty of it is that, you know, we got kids who goes out to these places and the kids interact very, very well with the students out there because... I think that's on the same level of understanding where if I go, well, I do go out there, but if I go out and say, right, I want this done and that done or the way it's done, but when the staff goes out there, they can uh, interact with the player, uh, the groups and the boys and the girls. And we just got a very unique unique group of people who runs it for us. Mm. So it's a case in relation to your foundation with the disengaged and at-risk uh, disadvantaged youth is to try and get them into schools and get them into community groups and maybe sporting groups where they can certainly feed and get involved with other people their age. Is that what you're trying to do? Yes, that's that it, right, Pete. And, and I think... We are looking later on down the road for a longer-term future as being leaderships. And we do have leadership roles in, in our foundation. And, and you know, uh, we do have uh, functions for that and, and recognise uh, leaders in the program. So you're dead right, Pete. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to think of the kids here. And, you know, when I want to say think of the kids here. You know, I think if we sit back and say do nothing, nothing gets done. If we get out and say, right, have a go, you might get 3 or 4% or come through or one or two kids will come through, but at least we get someone coming through. Mm. So 
I know that your foundation is so important and you've explained to us uh, the great work you're doing, but no doubt you need corporate support to help you out, don't you, Steve? And your foundation is always on the lookout for people that are prepared to support your foundation. Oh, yeah, that's, well, it's not, you know, it is a foundation, but at the end of the day, supporting the kids and, you know, we'd love to get anyone on board. You know, we have got, you know, I'm not going to go through the name of the, the, um, the sponsors because we've got so many, but it's just, you know, more sponsorship, more people put on the ground and more kids will get involved with it and more results at the end of the day. You know, I think maybe two years or two and a half years ago, we had Indigenous kids graduating, uh, um Mika Sarah, first year Indigenous kids graduate from year 12. So, you know, these are some of the steps we take. And the biggest thing we got is say, right, you know, it's getting them on, on board with us. Mm. And get them to schools and all that and say communication. And, you know, the biggest, uh, the beauty of it, we got the education department on board too. So, you know, and we got government departments on board. So, you know, well, everyone we got on board is um, see the results that we're going to achieve out of it. Fantastic, Steve. No, terrific. And finally, as I'll let you go with a couple of final questions, you, I know you still follow footy, you, be, you follow your beloved uh, South Fremantle. What about uh, Clem's former club, the Fremantle Dockers and the West Coast Eagles? Do you still follow them? Yes and no. I want to say yes and no. I, 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 love, to go, I love to go and watch them at, at, at uh, the stadium. Uh, but I watch a lot of the South Fremantle games because I, I reckon... Um, it's grassroots footy. I think everyone's um, pushing to get a game and all that, and say so they have to. In, in well, what's the word you use? You have to perform to get that game. And we, I think, you know, I'm not being rude to the guys who play, but I reckon it's a very good competition. And but it's like a business. It's no more enjoyment in it. Right? You, wear, mm. you know, you go to a country game, and you know, I went much south play the Northern Territory All Stars on the weekend. And what a bloody good game of football that was. You know, South went down by two points. They had something like um, 10 to 12 uh, rookies in there. And, you know, and these guys, guys stepped up to the mark. And, you know, they played against, like, Stevie Motlop and uh, Ali Ben Allen and all that. So, you mm. know, they had a very good uh, challenge to play. And they went down by two. And in my opinion, South should have won it because they made a lot of fundamental mistakes. Because they're kids, and this is what grassroots what is about. It's saying, right, look at the kids and see what they're doing, you know, because I think the AFL is, is going um, in leaps and bounds, but we're forgetting about the grassroots sports. Yeah, no, it's great. So you were up there, you actually saw that game in person between the Northern Territory and South Fremantle, Steve. Yes, Pete. You know, like, like I say, it was a good game. Uh, um, caught up with Basil Benny, uh, Mr. Malcolm Griffith Brown. Oh, was he up there? Was he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he would have lost yeah, about. He would have lost yeah. about ten kilos, I reckon, in the humidity. I don't think it wasn't only one. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, that was. Yeah, it's good catching up with the, with the boys and that. Yeah, you know, and like I said, uh, you know, Basil's coming off um, chemo. Benny had a um, kidney replacement quite a while ago, and he said we didn't treat before that. So you know, it's it's like, like I said to Brownie and um, Baz and Benny. I said, you know, that nineteen eighty grand final side, you can't replace that. That group of people is unplaceable. Uh, I think on the twenty of February we play golf together. Um, I'm going down on the first of February uh, in Rockingham with Brownie and that and a few other boys they have a, a morning tea down there. So you know, we still unite more. As we get older, which, which you know, like I say, it's a family inside mm. of a family. And Brownie, of course, uh, he had a nickname for you, didn't he? I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> now, as I'll let you go, because Brownie told me what he called you, we can't mention it on radio. You uh, still hold the waffle record for the most consecutive league games with 217, and Brad Hardy tells me the story. And you can confirm it. You know, in these days of high-tech and sports science, Stephen Michael, who played, uh, what, 243 games for South, 217 consecutively, used to be a truck driver, used to have training, and people worked those days, and used to drive your truck into Fremantle Oval, park on the bank there, which was a cement bank, used to knock down a Bakewell pie and have a can of Coke, then go to the rooms get your training strip off and burn on the track. Is that correct? No, 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 that, no that, that was not under training. It was more or less before a game. <laughs> before no, a game. Been, <laughs> before a game, yeah. That's, that's, that's more quick to the point. But so you, had a, bake wall, you had a bakewall pie and a can of Coke before you ran up and demolished all the opposition players. Yep, and, and it, it was more than a bake, uh, pie. It might have been a... Uh, fish and chips or chicken and chips. So, you know, I, I just don't know where these guys get all this uh, stuff from saying, right, we can look after the body. You know, we, I, I do believe that, but I think there's a difference. I don't drink and I don't smoke. So that might add a lot more for it. And like I, you said, Pete, I did work. So, you know, I, I come from a hard-working family. And, you know, like I said, you know, my commitment is to say sport. I enjoyed it. I loved it. And I made a lot of good friends, right, Pete? And I love talking to you, mate. It's great to have a chat to you. And I, let me tell you, if you played in today's age, you'd absolutely rip them apart. Don't worry about that. You're just an outstanding person to watch. An outstanding individual as well. Good luck with the Stephen Michael Foundation, mate. And thanks yeah, for joining thank us on the program. Yeah, thank you very much, my friend. Good on you. There's Stephen Michael, one of the greats of all time with some great stories. There you go. Everybody listening, AFL footballers, fish and chips, bakewell pies and a can of Coke before the match. And I don't think anybody would be able to have matched Stephen Michael and the player that he was. Two-time Sandover medalist, of course, as we know, is in the Australian Football Hall of Fame. He's in the West Australian Football Hall of Fame. He was the All-Australian captain uh, back in 1983. Just an unbelievable player. Great to have a chat to him and his thoughts there on Australia Day as well. It's 29 past five here on Sports Day. And, of course, you can get behind the Perth Wildcats. They've got a home game tomorrow night. Uh, it should be a big one. Uh, head to tickertech.com.au to pick up your tickets if you want to go and support uh, the Perth Wildcats and their remaining home games at RAC Arena. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Some boxing world champions are household names, no matter where they come from. But how many people can name the first world champion born in Africa? So who was this boxer born in Senegal? Who was decorated for bravery in World War I? Why do so few know that he fought and won the world light heavyweight title aged 25? only to lose it controversially six months later. And why was his life cut short in a New York street aged just 28? In 1993, his remains were returned to Senegal. It is time his world title was too.
The voice there of filmmaker Ashley Morrison. And Ashley joins us here on Sports Day WA this afternoon. Ashley, thanks for your time. No, thanks for inviting me on the show. You've got a busy couple of weeks coming up. I know you're travelling to South Africa next week and then you're on your way to New York for the release of this documentary about the uh, the first African boxer to conquer the world. Firstly, tell us some early details on, firstly, what got you interested in putting this documentary together and tell us about a boxer whose name many don't really recognise. Okay, so the, the the story came about was I was asked to write the biography of Azuma Nelson, who is arguably Africa's greatest ever boxer. He's one of only three African boxers to have ever been inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame with Brian Mitchell and Dick Tiger. And when I was watching back Azuma winning his world title, the commentator goes, and Azuma becomes the eighth world champion from Africa. And I was like, hang on a sec, that can't be right. Um, it was 1984 from memory. And uh, so I then started trawling back through the record books. And what I found out was that most of the African nations got their independence around 1960 onwards. And so what had happened is all of the champions prior to that date are actually in the record books as being belonging to their colonial power. So, you know, Dick Tiger, for example, although he is now as a Nigerian champion, but he is very much in some of the record books still shown as being English because Nigeria was an English colony. And you've got other boxers as well from other parts of Africa where the same was, was true. And so suddenly I thought, hang on a sec, there's something wrong here. And so I asked a few people around if they'd ever heard of Battling Siki or his real name is Louis Barrick Full. And very few people had, which I thought was really sad. And then as I dug deeper, I found out what an interesting life he led and uh, how, again, the, the racism in the world then really worked against him. But at the same time, he played up on that racism in order to make sure that every bout he had was played to a full house. So Return to Your Corner is the name of this documentary. So, Ashley, how did you get all the information collated and who did you speak to uh, when, of course, the documentary will be released officially in New York, what, in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, I sort of, I mean, the, the film, it was the hardest thing was raising the money and it's it's taken me eight years to make it. So it's been a real passion of, uh, a passionate thing of my own. I, I didn't get all of the money in from various sponsors. So I've actually had to put a lot of my own money into it. But it was a story I felt was really, actually really important. And as I mentioned, or you heard in that trailer, um, his remains were returned to Senegal in the 1990s by the World Boxing Council. But he still is shown in the record books as being French because Senegal was a French colony. It wasn't known as Senegal back then. And and I fear, I want to see, as he was Africa's first ever world champion, I think Africa deserves to have him listed as an African champion. And that's my goal with this documentary is I'm hoping that down the track we will see Africans, A, made aware of who this person was and, B, the world made aware that he was Africa's first ever world champion. And he had such an impressive record, didn't he, during his time in the ring? Well, he did initially, and then when he goes to America after he loses the title. So he he had he lost the title um, in 1923, and he was forced, because a lot of European countries didn't like interracial flight, fights at that time. So he was forced to fight an Irish-American in Ireland, 
on St. Patrick's Day, but not just St. Patrick's Day, but the first St. Patrick's Day of Ireland's independence. And there were actually bombs going off on the day of the fight. And it was the last ever world title fight to go 20 rounds. And uh, Siki and his opponent went the 20 rounds. And a lot of the newspapers felt that he won the bout. But again, because the world didn't want another black world champion after Jack Johnson's antics, uh, it was clear that basically he was never going to win this title and they were going to take the first opportunity to take it off him, which is what happened. And he went to America. He got messed around by the managers there and uh, had a lot of fights where basically he was just being put on a train. He'd be in one town one day. Three days later, he'd fight in another town somewhere else. And I think he got a bit demoralized and, and obviously wasn't training. And so some decisions went his way. Some didn't go his way because, as we all know, sometimes in boxing, uh, it always goes the, the way of the local fighter. And I think that's why his record probably in America isn't quite as good as it probably should have been. And saying that, when he arrived in the United States, uh, because of, uh, no doubt, his race and colour, I know he got a lot of offers supposedly to fight in the United States, and as you mentioned, it didn't eventuate. And in the end, he's uh, he defended his title against the Irish lightweight heavyweight Michael McTeague. But um, he fell on really hard times, and in the end, he lost his life there. Yeah, he did. I mean, the the interesting thing is when he won the world title against George Carpentier. So everyone, I mean, Carpentier actually admitted this later in life. Was um, Carpentier hadn't been training, didn't want to fight a black boxer didn't really take Siki seriously, but Siki had beaten all the light heavyweights and heavyweights of Europe. And so he was the rightful contender to challenge Carpentier for the world title. So, but Carpentier didn't take him seriously. Then his management got very worried. So went to Siki's manager and said, look, um, you know, you can have this world title as long as you lose. And supposedly the manager went ahead with this, but then in the fight, uh, Carpentier starts showboating, starts hitting Siki really hard. And then Siki goes, well, stuff this. And so he then starts fighting for real and knocks Carpentier out. Now, what happened then is the referee, who was also in on the fix, awards the fight to the unconscious Carpentier on the ground. The crowd nearly riot in Paris, and so Siki is crowned world champion. So so there was that. And then when he went to America, again, the, the mob tried to get him to carry boxers over there. In other words, you know, take him through the fight, don't knock him out till later in the round or whatever. Um, because there was no doubt betting going on. And Siki basically ignored what the requests were. And he got stabbed once as a warning. And then, unfortunately, on the 15th of December, 1925, he was less than a kilometre from his home and uh, basically got two bullets in his back and was just left to die in the street. Mm. There were, and I've just seen actually the uh, the release or the press release regarding Return to Your Corner. It appears he was stopped by a policeman who saw him staggering drunk on 42nd Street, not far from his apartment. Um, and I suppose that's, a, that's one of the other claims that uh, maybe he just lost his way in New York. But the fact that he was shot twice in, at close range and dead at the age of 28, and I believe his funeral was held in Harlem shortly after that. 
It was, and he was buried in Flushing in a, a pauper's grave. But there's no doubt he had a drinking problem. I mean, he liked to drink when he was in France. And, I mean, he was renowned for picking fights with cab drivers rather than paying his fare. It was like, you know, challenge me, I'll have a fight with you rather mm. than pay the fare. So, I mean, it, drink, I think, had always been a part of his life. And I think, sadly, yes, when he got to America, um, when he was obviously not earning the money that he probably should have been or his talent should have allowed him to, I think he probably turned to it a little bit too much. Tell us about uh, the release of Return to Your Corner. You're going to South Africa first and then on to New York. Tell us the reasons for that. Yeah, well, there's a there's a mining conference in South Africa, in Darba, down in Cape Town, and one of my sponsors, Geodrill, um, they are actually holding an event there. And so they've asked me to get Brian Mitchell, who's from South Africa, and Azuma Nelson, who's from Ghana, they're going to be there. As I said, they're the only two living uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame boxers from Africa. And so they're going to be at the mining conference. And I've been asked to interview them for um, an Australian sort of symposium, I suppose it is. Um, and then we're going to have a screening, a preview screening of the film, because those two are both featured in the film um, after that in the evening. And then we head on to New York, where the WBC, the World Boxing Council, are actually hosting the event at the New York Athletic Club. And uh, they've they've shown me a list of people that they've invited, uh, sort of very impressive list of former world champions. But I don't know how many of them are, have accepted or are coming as yet. Oh, good on you, Ash. Well, good luck with it. Uh, and when will we get an opportunity to, to view it? Well, probably when I get back, I'll, I'll look to maybe do a screening at some point. Um, in, at, the main, at the same time, we're sort of in negotiations with a few TV stations, hoping that they might pick it up. Most of those are actually sort of international ones at the moment. Uh, I haven't spoken to any in Australia, but, uh, yeah, once I know the outcome of that and hopefully everybody likes it, then uh, we might be in a position to, mm. to share that information with you. Well, the trailer is very impressive. Thanks for joining us, Ashley. Good luck and safe travels. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity and your interest as well. Good on you. Thanks. Ashley Morrison there, filmmaker, regarding, of course, uh, the documentary or film uh, regarding Return to Your Corner, the story of the first African boxer to conquer the world. Uh, by the way, I said the Wildcats are playing uh, tomorrow, and, of course, they're playing Friday night. I've just got a bit uh, slipped up with the holiday being tomorrow. I thought it might be Saturday. So there you go. <laughs> no, it's actually Friday night, the Wildcats. And I said get behind the Wildcats this season. Head to ticketech.com.au. And our hot topic today has been on the back end of Stephen Michael for Repco, for expert car advice, book into your local Repco authorised service centre about the divide, the great divide regarding Australia Day. And you heard Stephen Michael, the great, uh, Noongar Aboriginal footballer here from Western Australia and his thoughts, very humble, and he's just saying he'd go with the flow, whatever decision is made. But he also made the comment that maybe in time we might have the very first Aboriginal Prime Minister and there may be members of Parliament, uh, of course, uh, from the Aboriginal race. And maybe when that happens, there'll be a bit more open dialogue in Parliament and these so-called decisions and what we're experiencing at the moment may be a thing of the past. So we'll have to wait and see. But it was great to have Stephen Michael on the program. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, hi, uh, this is from Lise. G'day, Lise. Hi, Peter. Enjoying the show. Great interview with Stephen Michael. Great legend on the field and now doing great work with his foundation with Stephen and his family. All the very best. Sensational win by the Kookaburras last night against Spain. It was epic save by the goalie in the penalty shootout to give the Aussies the win and into the semi-finals. Good on your lease with a thumbs up there. 
And Alex, thanks for just reminding me that the Wildcats game is on Friday night. I'll update the BBL for you. I'll update the tennis. And we'll also bring you the latest in sport on the other side of this break here on Sports Day WA. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Ten to six, sports day with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. I was with uh, Paul McGovern today out there at Lombardi, and he showed me actually some footage of the Kia, the all-electric uh, EV6 GT supercar. It is a serious set of wheels. There it goes, straight past Optus Stadium and in the SEN studios. Paul, if you're listening in, uh, it was good to watch actually today, and I believe you. Pretty keen to maybe jump into one, Paul Lombardi, or sorry, Paul McGovern there at Lombardi's there in Forestfield. All right, uh, Novak Djokovic, I reckon he's on his way to a straight sets win again. He's going to win the Australian Open, the way he's travelling at this point in time. Took the first set against Rublev by six games to one, and it's just broken Rublev uh, in the second set, and he's serving to take a 4-2 lead. So he'll probably close that set out. Novak Djokovic is just flying at the moment, and he'll win. In fact, uh, he'll win, and he'll play Tommy Paul, uh, who is into the Australian Open semis uh, after he beat fellow American today in Ben Shelton, 7-6-6-3-5-7-6-4. So it'll be Novak Djokovic taking on Tommy Paul, and you think Djokovic will beat the unseeded American and go straight into the final, and will it be... Kachanov or Tsitsipas, who will meet him in the Australian Open Grand Slam final on Sunday evening. We're updating sport thanks to Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. In the BBL, the Melbourne Stars again struggled. Seven for 119. They made seven for 119. Hilton Cartwright uh, with 36. And earlier today... It was a win to the Hobart Hurricanes over the Brisbane Heat. So uh, there you go. That brings you up to date with what's happening in the BBL cricket. And just some other sporting news. that Lawyers and coaches of Olympian Peter Boll fear the fight to clear his name has all but ruled out his chances of competing well at the Paris Games next year. The 800-metre runner, who finished fourth at the Tokyo Games, could be exonerated from allegedly taking the banned substance EPO as early as March, but that is if his B sample to be analysed next month comes back negative. And in Netball Australia, we'll meet New Zealand in the final of the Netball Quad Series in Cape Town after continuing their unbeaten run with a 65-48 win over the host South Africa. So the Diamonds have already qualified for the final. We'll be at midnight tonight, our time courtesy of back-to-back victories over England and New Zealand. All right, uh, we might try that again. This is Adam Simpson on the pre-season campaign so far, and he's planning for the new year. Yeah, we just want to get better. Um, and it is a new era coming. So, you know, with the unity of the group, it continues to shine from dealing with adversity last year. Health and fitness is priority, and they are, they're as probably as fit as I've seen them. So that's, that's, a, that's a big tick for us, and now it's overlaying some football. 
Well, it's, I've said this a few times, because getting healthy is the priority, and we're still working on that, and we've got a different type of, of group, I suppose. We're quite young, and we're quite um, elderly, experienced, and whatever you want to call it. So managing that and getting everyone back to full health and fitness was the priority post-season, and for the large part, we've done that. And then overlaying some youth into the side, and like I said, it is a bit of a new era coming up. So that's been um, a work in progress, and then, you know, getting style of play which which will be new as well adam simpson and as i let you go for new farm australian through and through this checking the weather for australia day tomorrow uh dropping to a low of 18 tonight 32 tomorrow it's going to be a sunny day and for those people in bunbury listening on 621 uh, sen spirit sunny day 29 degrees your forecast top all thanks to new farms products they're formulated with the highest quality right here in oz New Farm Australian through and through. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll catch you in a row from five on Australia Day for a special Sports Day WA. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. Have a good night tonight, everyone.